you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. I'm late. I'm late. Very important date. Time is running out to score adult theme park tickets at child prices from Undercover Tourist. This summer, make your Walt Disney World vacation more affordable than ever. Escape into a place where magic has the power to transport you into stunning worlds and your favorite stories for less. Buy from Undercover Tourist, an authorized seller, and link to official Walt Disney World apps so you can add on Genie Plus and Lightning Lane upgrades easy. Book your adult theme park tickets at child prices with Undercover Tourist now and save. UndercoverTourist.com Hey everyone, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The Around the NFL Podcast. Is anyone still out there? Welcome to another edition of the Around the NFL Podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, coming to you from a virtual room filled with heroes. Mark Sessler, Greg Rosenthal, what is up, boys? It's happening. Big week. Week What's two up? of training cramp. Let's go. Training cramp. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of guys going to get cramps. Who, you know, these guys going to be in shape? I don't know. I'm very, we've touched on it on this show that uh, you got to be a little bit worried about guys being able to stay healthy once this thing kicks mm. off. And again, MLB is the guinea pig, and I feel like half of the premier starters in the league have elbow or shoulder injuries right now. Right. Uh, these, you know, these, these athletes are like so finely tuned and they run on a schedule. We take them off the schedule and then we're going to be ramping them up to full speed. Just another challenge facing us. I think, uh, our I league. think like they're in incredible, like in the mirror shape, like there hasn't been much else to do. And so they've been working out at home or in the gym or whatever. But, people, you know, football players and coaches love to talk about the difference between being, like, in shape and football shape. And the only recipe uh, for football shape is to put on those pads and hit. That's what I say when I play football. <laughs> well, yes, you do. I mean, I, I feel like, if anything, like the low bar was set on how I treated my body during the last five-plus months. These guys... You saw them. They're all over the place. They're, they're just in unusual areas exercising, though. These strange, like, high, abandoned high schools, um, lawns here and there. So I, I don't know. It just doesn't seem the same to me. But this isn't 1971 where a dude rolls in 27 pounds overweight with, like, you know, drinking, you know, with beer cans rattling in the backseat of his car. Marquise Brown added 23 pounds this offseason. I mean, that's a lot on a 157-pound frame he put I don't know. Craig, year. you that's and I are— number. We're not big guys. Like, how? What would it take for uh, for us to add twenty? It's not twenty three pounds of like 
muscle or a stomach flap. It's like muscle. That's not easy to do on his body shape. I'd like to uh, well, initiate an investigation on how that. I'm sure occurred. it's going to go great. I'm sure it's you know, even go though really he's like well. a smaller yeah. football uh, player, you know, compared to others, his his body shape is in no way similar, even at 157 pounds. Well, that's yeah, compared to mine. I'm not talking about you. <laughs> no, no, it is. Mine. It couldn't be more dissimilar than my body at this point. So, um, your body looks good, Mark. Today's well, show is a good it, one, but yeah, no, I can see it. I can see it. It looks like the shoulders a little more, a little more definition than even a couple months ago. So I see you're working at it, and I respect you for it. Well, thank you. He's scaring that. It. He's scaring that landscaper in the backyard with all the workouts he's doing. Well, I haven't had. In fact, he uh, an update. This is the day, a Wednesday, that he should be um, returning to. You know, we, he's, you know, does a great job, and he's paid well. He just didn't return. So. Hmm. Are you gonna you developing numbers news? with them? I don't know but, if that triggered developing slash breaking news. You're, move, you're moving. Are you gonna continue the relationship after you leave? No, no. Like, I, well, I, two ships passing in the uh, <laughs> Western Los Angeles night. Interesting. All right, coming up on today's show, Nate Tice, son of former Vikings head coach Mike Tice, a former quarterback in his own right, and he does really nice work uh, in the tape study game. We're going to speak with Nate about some of the quarterbacks in our league, uh, focusing on the 2019 draft class and uh, another notable veteran that we'll get to. So looking forward to that conversation. But before we do that, we hit the news. Mr. 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 Unlimited. Let's stick a pin in that. I want to save that okay. for a little later in the okay. news. Okay. Uh, yeah, just yeah, just stick a pin in that. Let's start, Mr. Unlimited, with the much scrutinized opt-out deadline. We know that uh, many players, dozens of players across the NFL have decided to opt out of the 2020 season uh, because of the COVID-19 pandemic. And the NFL... Um, had come under fire, Devin McCourty of the Patriots, namely uh, the NFL trying to move up the deadline and uh, and McCourty had stated, hey, that puts players in a bad situation. Well, we have a little more clearance, uh, clarity on that now. The deadline for NFL players to opt out of the 2020 season will be Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern, the league said in a letter to, N- to the NFL Players Association. The union agreed to shorten the window between the finalizing of the agreement and the opt-out deadline, uh, which was supposed to be originally seven days. Uh, but there's an exchange, some concessions on the, in the final language to make both sides happy, happy. So Thursday is the deadline. We'll see if there's like a deluge of players. Um, I know some are still considering it. And we're seeing, you know, a handful of opt-outs every day at least. We're over 50. You know, it hasn't been... I don't know if it's been more or less than people expected, but I think it's a reminder to a lot of people. There's more than 2,300 players in the league right now, you know, when the offseason rosters are so big. So, so like, the percentage of players opting out or the percentage of players, you know, testing positive uh, or going on to the COVID list, you know, has been... It, it feels like it's a lot, but then you look at the numbers and it's less than 3 2% of, of the entire league. Tredavious White, the Bills cornerback said he was, you know, going up to the deadline of trying to decide whether he'll opt out or not. That You know, we'll know by the time some of you hear this, so we don't need to get too deep into that. It'll be out of date. But that shows you some big-time players, at least one we know, is 
is considering all his options, and, and it's and it's got to be difficult for players because the X factor no one's talking about is like, well, you can make you can make every, your teams are spending millions of dollars making the places as safe as possible, but you still have to play football in the end, and that's the, that, that's the unsafe part of it. You know that that's where you're rubbing up against another body f- for hours on end, and and that's not going to happen in practice for a few more weeks, and obviously in the season for for what six more weeks. Yeah, I think like I, there's a reason when you look at the percentages, like you mentioned, to be as optimistic um, as we've been able to be up to this point that it's not going to snowball and take out fifty percent of players. It's low, but at the same time, I mean, I would like to see players have a chance to engage in you know physical activity the way that real football is going to be and see what that does to coronavirus before some of these players have to make their decision. I mean, there are there are future chances for opt out. If uh, if if a player were diagnosed out of nowhere to have a to be a high risk um, corona candidate, or if that happened to one of their family members or they went into the hospital, I mean, there can be additional opt outs, but that's much murkier. And I don't know. I just think that in, in a way, the deadline to me feels a little bit unfair for a decision that circulates through your whole family. It's not an isolated decision you're making on your own as a player. It's a credit to the players for getting it in the first place, because in theory, the NFL didn't have to do anything. The CBA was signed. Now, this is unforeseen circumstances, but I appreciate, actually, there has at least so far been some meeting in the middle between the two sides that it hasn't been too rancorous, and and the players got pretty much what they wanted in terms of these opt-outs. A couple other notable opt-outs since the last time we spoke with you on Monday. Marcus Gilbert, right tackle, Arizona Cardinals. He figured to be in the mix for a job there this year. He decides to opt out. He had been on the uh, active NFI list with an illness, uh, so unclear if that's directly COVID-related, but he opts out. And also wide receiver of the Miami Dolphins, Albert Wilson. He is the second Dolphins wideout to opt out. Alan Hearns did so last week. Wilson also appeared to be uh, in line for a nice role in the Dolphins offense. No more. We will not see him again until 2021 at the earliest. They also have Preston Wilson, who is kind of under the radar as an undrafted guy who was incredible last year, was one of the best rookie receivers in a great rookie class early on until he tore his ACL. I really love watching this this guy play as a deep threat. And so he's still on the PUP list. So he's coming off an injury and man, I don't know those that you got Chan Gailey and you got Fitzpatrick and you got, you know, Tua, but I don't know that, that collection of weapons, you're asking a lot for Fitz or for Tua to really survive in a brand new offensive line. Uh, This doesn't make it any easier. These weren't key players for them, but it is just not a deep or particularly talented looking offense. Right. And if you were to take away or look past Devontae Parker's lone breakout season, I mean, it would be a very concerning, it's what we talked about. Like if a position group loses two to three people because of this, in the NFL, the depth is just not there. And so I, I think it's concerning. It probably slows Tua's um, entry into the starting lineup, maybe. I, I don't know. I mean, they had eight players catch over 20 passes last year. I mean, they, they have guys they can spread it around to. But this is it's just like a worst-case scenario for a young quarterback where you're losing two productive wideouts. Good news in Lions land. Matthew Stafford, who had tested uh, positive for the – COVID-19 and was put on the list this weekend. He is now off the list because the Detroit Lions announced Tuesday that the quarterback had a false positive test. 
So good news there for Stafford. He doesn't have COVID-19. Yeah, buddy. Congratulations. <laughs> you know, his wife was really upset. She's had some you know, negative reactions from some creeps who have seen her family in public, you know, since they found out that they were false positives and have, you know, given her Wait, grief. really? Yeah. It's, yes. It's rough. Called um, it a nightmare. Are you serious? And she was, she was angry with the NFL. Oh, no. She was angry with the NFL. And, and I think there is something maybe the NFL can learn from this and, um, and the Gardner Minshew situation, which is, you know, I, I do you have to announce it right away? I don't know. Maybe there is a maybe there is a way that's like let's make sure we know um, whether he's really got it or not because that it, cre- it it created this whole news cycle with Stafford and Minshew where it turned out that they both ended up testing you know uh, pos- I mean negative and and created a lot of anxiety you know and, and you're gonna have that anxiety for the players behind the scenes. Um, you know, when you get the false positive and that's natural, you're I'm not that, you know, false positives are going to happen. This is what testing is like. This is science. Um, but maybe, maybe you don't have to like put them on the list right away. I don't know if there's some in between that they could pull off. Right. Cause this is happening because the way the NFL works, the transaction wire is something that's right. updated regularly. So that begins the news cycle. But I, I, I agree with you if, especially when there's not really a lot going on, right? There's nothing now, going there's on right now. I, Yeah, and there's not a lot of access to the teams for reporters. So if a guy's uh, not at the team facility for a couple days, it's not like anybody would know either way. That seems like a pretty easy fix just to kind of give it a little bit of a buffer period. Yeah, and I think it shows, you know, mentioning Kelly Stafford, who they've been through a ton as a family in the last year. And she talked about the schools basically saying uh, no to your kids. Like they reached out to the Staffords, according to her report, and that she went to the grocery store and was approached by someone saying, Again, this was after they knew that everything was negative. Right, but they it, wasn't, they, right, it wasn't public, they, yeah. Right, it wasn't public, but they walked into a grocery store and were approached by someone saying that you're endangering others. So it's just this, like, it's not just the player. We focus on the player, but there's so many other uh, limbs and elements to this that make it, like, the it, the release of information, I think you're right, needs to be pristine before we throw people into the chaos here gonna need that rapid testing in the season too for for situations like this you know if this happened on a saturday um you know that's gonna be problematic (laughs) um all right let's talk about this russell wilson video that went viral on (laughs) it went viral on tuesday i don't know it doesn't even need a, a setup erica just play it play it for us okay Hey guys, uh, Russell here. Yes, the typical boring, yes, Russell, the robot Russell, the one you guys love to know. I'm real, real exciting. Yeah, I'm real exciting. Um, but anyway, uh, everybody has to have an alter ego, right? And, and I've been thinking about what? what my alter ego would be, and I, I, I think I have an alter ego. His name, his name's Mr. 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 Unlimited. Yeah, you gotta be unlimited. You know, you gotta have a thought process of being unlimited. So when people ask you, you know, what you're thinking about or what you wanna do in life or where you wanna go, you gotta be unlimited. Tell them, I'm unlimited. You know what I mean? So when they ask you certain questions like, Who brings you motivation, Russell? Mr. Unlimited. Unlimited. <laughs> Who is your go-to person for advice, Russell? They think Pete Carroll. They think this person. Think that person. <laughs> Love you, Pete. But it's Mister Unlimited. Tell him. <laughs> you know, we've heard for years that Wilson, for whatever reason, and we've heard different reasons, 
is not a guy that's necessarily universally embraced in uh, the locker room. And I guess I'm specifically referring to the the great Seahawks teams of your the Legion of Boom teams that he wasn't always a great locker room fit. And you know what? He again, Russell Wilson does not seem like a bad guy, but he seems like, you know, so (laughs) cheesy. He's just so cheesy. You can't even like it. It makes you cringe listening. I I I, I struggled to get through. Of course, that. I. You mentioned how you enjoyed the beginning, and I, I only listened to it once because I couldn't. I couldn't do it twice. And <laughs> and you're right, actually, that the beginning was a little bit more of a window into his soul. It reminded me of yeah. Some, he's searching. Sometimes when you try to like when you do my voice of what you think. I'm in your head or whatever saying to you what I'm thinking like that was it it was he was inside his own head thinking of what we think about him he's like oh yeah I'm real exciting you think I'm really I'm the real exciting Russell I don't know apparently this video is two years old we didn't know that at the time I don't know why it's being surfaced now who cares he just he's the one who pressed play and then he chose to send it out so yeah I don't think it may be two years old but I don't think where there's a whole totally different Russell Wilson at play right now it it is the unfriendly um, mixing of athletes who lean heavily on motivational internal levers that they can that they can see the world differently, and extremely cynical journalists who are just not going to sign up for that. I don't picture Dan well, yeah. in his room with headphones on, listening to like Dan's like Mister Invincible. Dan, I mean, maybe I don't know. But I, <laughs> I don't understand. Like part maybe, of it, that, maybe we're getting close. I don't know. The logic <laughs> fell apart because Russell said he goes to a, to Mister Unlimited for advice. So that's confusing. He, well, I, well, who I would does throw he go this. to for advice? He goes I think to that Mr. I Unlimited. would say this. There's probably a heavy, ego. There's a heavy spiritual um, element to this, which it sounds um, pulled partially from like a daily devotional type thing that a lot of athletes do too. Again, mm. not not your average journalist is digging into that world. Um, so I just think it's I don't know who he's he's not going to fare well with the blogger slash podcaster type for the most that, part. That was a sneaky that was a sneaky flex by uh, Sessler there too. He's like. You know, not your average journalist is going to know the kind of story behind this. But I don't know what it is. I'm not your average journalist. I no, I thought it was as clunky (laughs) as the next guy. But I also just think that whatever. If you're a Seahawks fan, if that's what your quarterback needs to play that way. It's I just sign my quarterback we're just, up We're not that cynical. We're just, you know. It's oh, just you're a, not cynical. It's just good I mean, for I'm as cynical as you we, guys. We're please. good for jokes. It's a good, it's a good source for jokes. Look, I, Erica and I have experience rooting on a Hall of Fame quarterback um, who sometimes does some, like, cringy uh, social media or yes. public things. It's, you know, when you're the fan, you're, like, you're always defending him, and you don't really care because <laughs> as long as it's still Russell Wilson yeah, on live the field, we'll take it all. Give me a break. Man, it is a small price to pay right. for having one of the great quarterbacks of the last 50 years on your roster. Exactly. So you're, I did like your tweet, uh, Greg, last <laughs> night that Geno Smith is looking better and better. Oh, yeah. On the bench. Oh, man. <laughs> you, you know, people used to say it's like, oh, he's a problem in the locker. I don't know. Geno might have the support of the locker room. You might, you might want to you mean, at you some point, you you, wish at some point I think Seahawks fans have to look at, like, is this worth it? Is it a distraction? You know, is this uh, is this going to fly in the locker room? And then who else is there? Who else could be taken over? Geno Smith. Maybe trade him to the Patriots for a third round pick. Get sure. rid of that distraction. Would, Russell Wilson. <laughs> All right, and um, finally, and this is uh, this is an update I never wanted uh, to have happen, but here we are. And now another edition of Keeping Up with Bowen. 
the news from Tom Pelissero of NFL Network. Moritz Bowringer, the former Vikings draft pick, the first foreign-born player to get drafted into the NFL without even playing a college snap, has come to the end of the road with the Cincinnati Bengals and maybe American professional football. Pelissero reports that Cincinnati has cut the tight end turned wide receiver. And obviously, Mark, this is this is sobering. And 2020 has been a tough year, and it's not getting easier right now because Mobo needs a job. Yeah, I mean, Dan, I know you've had your own ups and downs during this whole corona stretch, and this was not the news that you uh, needed. I mean, from a flip side, he's a friend of the show. He doesn't know that he is. Um, but I, I think that any of us, if you were in a job for four plus years and largely um, invisible in terms of your productivity, you'd probably be thinking they might move on from you at some point too. I, I don't wish it on him, but uh, the, you know he's had a long, soft uh, period here to prove that he belongs. Hmm. Tell me if if you think he does, and I'm being too harsh on him. Well, he doesn't know he's a friend of the show, but he is a friend of a friend of the show. Handsome yes, Hank, he is. Henry yeah, Hudson. He is. So I, I, and it's funny, we basically did this same same um, you know routine like a year or two ago when he got cut somewhere else, and we thought it was the end. <laughs> so, uh, so Dan's tried to dig dirt on uh, Mobo a few times, and he has his fun, and we know Henry doesn't like I it. And maybe it's know, not over. Maybe another team picks him up. Then we're going to do this whole Is Dan uh, kicking dirt? I, I, Dan, I, I you, never saw it as that. I never know, saw it as kicking dirt. I was following the man's career. He was a unique uh, case study in the history of our league. And I, as as um, luck would have it, had a nice dinner last night with Handsome Hank in Playa del Rey here in Southern California. And he was a little upset when I said, listen, I've got to do one last update. Because <laughs> he yeah, was he invested. doesn't take well to it. He doesn't seem to like He's the vice president updates. of international for right. NFL, uh, NFL. So... Uh, he, he helped. He, wanted he helped to see Mobo, Mobo get, make it. He helped. He helped this career happen. I mean, that's being real. He was part of. Uh, he was part of the process of the international player pathway and movement and everything that Mobo ended up representing. So it's like. Well, uh, then, it's like losing a son. Yeah, you know? I would say here's the acid test. Mike Mayock on that you know infamous draft day called up <laughs> Mike Zimmer and said, "Take a shot on this guy, Moby." Now Mike Mayock is in perfect position to say, Ooh, you know what? I believe not, in, be in, the, in Well, it's like, listen, like you that. could add him to the Raiders and see how he does in you know, Las Vegas. He seems like it most seems like an interesting guy to throw into the Las Vegas milieu. Go take your flyer. Do it. The pathway program. He's free. At the very least, you have the pathway program that allows you to kind of stash him and develop him. We've been doing this for some time. At a certain point, the scholarship has to wrap up, but... I hope he gets one more chance. I mean, there's no other podcast out there devoting four minutes to Maurice Boringer in the year 2020. Right. August. They've got the nope. stash part. They all, they're all there for when it's a, ooh, it's a big shiny story on draft day. We <laughs> stay. We stay in. We, we stay there. In. And that's what Henry never understood, that right. this was always a passion project for this podcast. And I hope this passage, p- passion project has not come to a conclusion. Yeah, well, you know what? Like, he, you he know, opened the door, too. There's been... Um, <laughs> F.A. Abada. I tried to get know, out of it here. You know, there's, he opened the door. There's more, you know, there's successful, more, you know, active players who's come through the program since. 
Henry should F-A, appreciate I, too that if we're going to follow a player as as completist the way that we have with Moby, it's not all sunshine. I mean, there's gonna you got to go down the dark alleys and be there with him for that too. So Henry needs to understand that from a PR angle, we're not a PR firm. We're a, we're you know we're going to call things the way that we we're a news agency. See it. I will never and be having pan- dinner with Henry after this comment, probably, but. <laughs> And F.A. is a success story of the highest magnitude. In fact, over dinner last night, Henry reminded me uh, we were at, of course, the uh, Panthers-Buccaneers game last year at the Big Tot. And after the game, Henry found F.A. crying, tears of joy, because he had played in front of his home country, in front of 75,000 people. The Pathways program, Mm. the international expansion of the NFL, all beautiful things. And Mobo, we believe in you. Ricky? And that was another edition of Keeping Up With Bone. That's what's happening in the news. All right. As promised, <laughs> Nate Tice jumps onto the podcast at a very strange time. Perfect time. Yeah. Our Moritz Boehringer update. Uh, I know that was the end of his run with the Bengals. Yes. Uh, what's up, Nate? Welcome to the Around the NFL podcast. <laughs> I appreciate you having me on. How are you guys doing? Doing very well. Uh, Nate, I, do I have Nate to come in with Tiffany or something like that? Like <laughs> I have to enter in with like a Tiffany song playing from the mall. Is that what we're doing? Maybe. Hey, it's a possibility. We might, yeah, we might struggle to get Tiffany cleared, but maybe something that sounds like Tiffany uh, would go. be effective. Tiffany like product. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Uh, as he said at the top of the show, uh, Nate describes himself on Twitter at Nate underscore Tice as a life journeyman. And he's all about oh. that Randy ratio for life. What is the Randy ratio? Uh, you know, typical my dad uh, fashion. You know, he always has great ideas. He just doesn't know how to sell them. So, you know, he had a great thought, like get the ball to the best player on the team, Randy Moss. If we do this, we're going to win the game. It was almost like the running back carries stat that we've now realized is kind of, eh. uh, but he, on his opening press conference, decided to tell the rest of the league what his plan was. Let's get Randy Moss the ball 40% of the time. So, and he so, came you know, up with a clever great... name for it. He called it the Randy ratio. Randy ratio. And that became I mean, one of many plot lines. Your dad really provided more. Um, I, w- I was at pro football <laughs> talk for part of it. I mean, he provided more content than just about any coach in that area. He just can't help himself. And it's, yeah, exactly. No, and I know he was excited. He probably came up with that name in like a little think tank. I've never actually realized who came up with that name, but I, I was, I was with the rest of the world during that press conference, but I, uh, I understood the, the why he was doing it, but maybe how he approached the idea might have been a little, a little iffy. <laughs> Uh, I'm sure he took out the pencil for behind the ear and jotted it down as soon as he came up with Randy Ratio. He's like, oh, yeah, that's a winner. Mine's mechanical. So I, I realized that I've become, I've become my dad is that not my cheek. If you ever look at all his old pictures, I go like this. Mm. So if you, you'll you see pictures of him, he'll be, be sitting there just like not as cheek. And I'm like, I'm not like my dad. And then my aunt sent me pictures side by side of us. And I was just like, oh, yeah, this is good. This is good. Love this. Um, Let's just hope the weight gain stays off. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, Nate, you are – you're really uh, – you know the game. You understand the game. Obviously, you come from a coaching family. You played the game, and you're really good at breaking down tape. And we thought it would be uh, fun to talk to you 
about some of the 2019 guys from last year, but I wanted to start with a veteran and uh, start with Derek Carr, um, who this is an important year, obviously, for Carr. Uh, I think you have some thoughts about him entering this season that we're interested to hear on the show. But I also want to play something that went down just yesterday in a Zoom meeting between or a Zoom press conference between Carr and uh, Raiders uh, reporters. Here's what Carr had to say about the idea of playing this season or opting out. I have a lot to prove to myself. I have a lot to prove to, to my organization. I'm, I'm going to be completely honest here. I'm tired of being disrespected. So uh, there was no question I was going to play this year. <laughs> well, you know, most athletes, they're going to always find something to motivate them. Uh, I don't know if you can say it every year that you're being disrespected. Uh, you know, if you well, say he's it every done season, it before. Like, you used to coach, you used to be what, be an offensive coach for I was the Raiders a, yeah, early I, in Derek's career. So you watched him. And so was he a guy that, you know, he, yep. he noticed people talking. I mean, he could be talking about his owner. Or his coach. They kind of disrespected him. Mark Davis essentially said publicly, I'd rather have Tom Brady. Exactly. And that's that's the thing. It's like a lot of these athletes, they they look for any motivation they can get, you know, when you're already paid here. So the first I I feel like being around Derek, that first goal, and I think a lot of players goals, and I'm just going to be blunt about it to get that second contract, you know, get, you know, get off the rookie deal and get paid. I mean, really. And I think that's what a lot of his motivation early on, not just that he wanted to win MVP. He wanted those things. And I think now he was like, oh, that's not good enough. So his motivation has maybe changed. And it's now it's, oh, I'm being disrespected. I did all that. But it's also one of those things is NFL is, is you got what have you done for me lately? I mean, it's the ultimate league in that. So it's, you know, it's. It's his way of finding motivation, but you also have to prove it. So I'm trying not to like disavow or, or go against what Derek is saying, but you kind of have to prove it. Well, right? we're putting you in a tough spot here. You're talking right off the bat. We're talking about a guy who um, who's blocked Dan and I on Twitter in the past. Famously, uh, we had to bring him on our show um, for his. Well, brother. no, David, David, his brother had a broker a piece with right. Derek on our right. show to get Greg and I unblocked. So Very murky. Okay. it can be. Yeah, it could be dicey sometimes to talk criticism positive or negative. About he does this. seem like a guy who hears the criticism a, a little bit. I think that's fair. And I, and I also think he is coming off his second best season, I would say as a mm-hmm. pro, probably where he feels like he established himself again as a top guy. And yet there is still a feeling Nate, and I don't want to put you in too tough a spot. Cause I know you, you know him and everything, but I think football Twitter has still has a lot of doubts on him. And probably why is because of the style that he plays. And to me, the reason why he doesn't inspire a lot of people is because he plays a very safe style. And you sometimes watch him and you say, make the, you know, try, make the throw downfield. Don't always just take the the check down so quick. I think John Gruden gets frustrated about that. Do you think that's a a fair criticism? Is, Is that part of his game? Is that something his coaches have had to deal with him that like he plays a little too close to the vest sometimes. Absolutely. And I, I think that's a great, great point. And that's with a lot of them is almost, you have to take away his safety valve. You have to just go like, Hey, we are throwing this post. I'll just make something up. We are throwing this post. Like this is why we're throwing it. He's a guy that when he wants to attack, everything has to be perfect, which is not a, it's never going to be perfect in the NFL. It, it just isn't. You have to throw off platform. You have to throw up sidearm. You have to just, you have to take a hit in the chin as you're throwing it. It's not going to be where you sit there like a statue and throw deep. It's just you, you don't get those Drew Bledsoe moments anymore, or not as much. 
uh, the game's changed. And I think for him is that he thinks it has to be perfect to throw those. And mm. so you almost have to take it away from him and go like, hey, we're throwing this and we're throwing this. You got nothing underneath. You, you got to chuck it. And I think when that happens, he does. I think sometimes when he knows he has the safety valve, he's like, I'm not going to throw this pick. That might get picked off. All right, I'm going to check it down and get six yards. Hey, I got six yards. But it's like, yeah, that was a fine play. But sometimes we're, you want the great plays. You want the difference maker plays, those six plays a game that win you games. I mean, that's what football really comes down to. It's 60 plays on each side. Really, it comes down to about 10% of the plays. Really change the game. And I, I think for him, it's like he thinks he's doing the right thing. But uh, you need to emphasize. It. You need to take it away from him or you need to be you need to be kind of blunt with him and go, no, we don't want that. Because he honestly just doesn't think he's doing the wrong thing. And I think that's why he gets frustrated. But I, as a coach and being in those rooms with them, it is frustrating from a coaching perspective because you're like, yeah, yeah, you, yeah, we got eight yards there, but a touchdown's a lot better, isn't it? Like, you know, and, and I, and again, I just don't think he thinks he's doing the wrong thing. And you all, you have to protect him in a different way. You know, like Deshaun Watson, you protect him by maybe not having him throw so deep and giving him a safety valve and going, hey, check it down. Let's save yourself about 12 hits this game. For him, it's the opposite. It's like, hey, you have no check down, throw deep, like make a play. Let, let's do something. Because he's never going to ad lib either. That's the other thing that's really frustrating, I think, with Derek. Um, and I get it from a fan's perspective and a coaching perspective sometimes, is he's a pretty good athlete, but he never uses it. He's never going to yeah. ad-lib you a play and off-schedule plays. Like, he is he is a old-school pocket quarterback in an athletic body. So it's kind of he just like he just doesn't have that mindset where he's like he wants to sit from the pocket and dissect it like dissect. He thinks that is what it is. He really needs to get let it loose and maybe run around and try a 50 50 ball, make a guy make a play or just um, ad lib a play and just, you know, the quasi scramble drills that like Aaron Rodgers does or a lot of quarterbacks do these days. Mahomes does when he does the, the I call it the Madden drop back where he just keeps falling backwards and then makes a play, <laughs> right. you know, but he's, you know, where you're just holding down on the down stick or on the left stick, just, all right, get away from the rush. Let's throw it. But he has the arm to do right. that. That's a whole nother story. But Let Derek so kind of does have those ad lib moments. And that's kind of frustrating. Where this league is headed now, where our league is headed is how, quarterbacks making moves with their legs and their arm and this idea that he has that in him to not unlock that. I can imagine why it'd be so frustrating for a coaching staff, whether yeah. it was the you coach should, staff you were on or the current one. Yeah. And, and that's the thing. I mean, he's, he almost has a hundred starts at this point. I, I mean, we got to get to the point where it, it is what it is. He is what he is. Hmm. I mean, a hundred starts is a hundred starts. Hmm. <laughs> that's a right. lot of starts in the NFL. It's not, Two seasons in, it'd be like, okay, yeah. But I mean, we're on the third offensive staff. Uh, he almost has a hundred starts now, and that, and I'm not taking away. Derek did have his second best year last year. He did play really well last year. It just, it's he is what he is, and I think whatever coach is coaching him is going to be frustrated at some of those aspects and fans, for that matter. Yeah, I mean, and Derek Carr is a good study of the fact that you know quarterbacks. We're seeing certain quarterbacks that in year two, they look like they've arrived. They're fully developed. They're changing football. Derek Carr is, um, you know, he may feel disrespected. He's just lower tier for me on that front. But if you look at this 19 class and I'm just, you know, I'm going to leave. I'm going to let you decide where you think the answer to this is, because I have my own opinions. But we've got guys like Lamar Jackson and and, uh, Patrick Mahomes, who year two, they just blow up the league. When you look at this cast of characters that were drafted two drafts ago, who in your mind um, can make the jump 
as soon as week one, week two, week three this year and become the guy that everyone is talking about? I mean, the answer, answer is Kyler, but he already kind of showed that. But I actually, looking and reviewing these guys again, I'm becoming a bigger, bigger fan every day of Daniel Jones, which I was with everybody else at that draft last year. We're watching it. And I'm going to preface this. I'm going to cop out a little bit. So I was with the AAF the year before. So I watched none of these guys in college other than some TVs, you know, where I'm just watching. You were like in the front office, right? Yeah, and, uh, yeah. I was, what was, yeah, what I was, was your the, title? You were the Atlanta uh, Thrashers? Per, Atlanta Legends. I wish we were the Thrashers. We actually have I, I still have my purple starter jacket, so uh, maybe I'll wear that next time. But uh, yeah, and, yeah. And so I, Daniel Jones, though, is like, I, I just keep watching back. Greg, we talked a couple times about him, but it, it is, I like him so much more than I did last year. Like when I, I was like, really, this guy, you know, yeah, he has some talent. I see, I get it. Like, I get him as a first rounder. I did see that, but a top 10 pick, no. And now I'm kind of getting it. Like, he does a lot of nice things. And I, I mean, just a couple of notes, like I wrote down just rewatching him. I mean, it's, yeah, first thing I said, it's better than I thought he'd be. Uh, but he, he's tough. I mean, he's like, he goes downfield when there's pressure in his grill. He like, that does not matter. Pressure does not phase him. And you, we just touched upon a second ago is that's what this league is. You're not going to get the pocket moments and, or the statue moments anymore. You just don't, you get them like twice a game. Everything is, you have to move. You have to take, you have to take a hit. You just have to be tough at the quarterback position nowadays. And that's where these big athletic guys are like the Darnolds of the world. Um, the Joneses of the world. This is why these guys are so great. They can take these hits. And I mean, I don't want to say it, like they don't, shouldn't take 20 hits a game, but they can take these full on blitzes because the pressures are so much different these days and so much better these days. But and just going off of what we said about Derek, Daniel Jones can ad lib. He can do those off platform throws. He can make the funky throws. I just posted a clip of him on a naked where Michael Bennett just came straight at him and he was taking a shot and he threw and Daniel Jones threw the ball almost like underhand. But he completed it. But those are the throws you have to make. It's not going to be perfect over the top. And, you know, he's a good athlete. I just think the thing with him is he's still learning to anticipate. And, you know, a guy who has a lot of starts, I thought maybe he'd be a little better at that. But I think for him, he's just gauging his own arm, his own talent about what he can get away with. So I think sometimes he's – No, I was going to say, I wonder what's going to happen if he does break out this year and – yeah. Like how people do mental gymnastics, not to give Dave Gettleman any credit for it. I'm just wondering yeah, how that's going to play out. Can't keep doing those gymnastics right. at that point. It's true. Cause <laughs> no, I think yeah. I, I'm, I, I've had this like long gestating, um, you know, article, which I think might come out this week on, on this class of 19. And Jones was the guy who, who surprised me the most just in terms of the style that he was. Cause he's a hard guy to compare anyone to. To me, it seems like he's athletic Eli, which maybe it's like too easy. Because he was like a, you know, he was a Giants quarterback, but he's like athletic. Eli and he looks that, exactly the same. Right. It, but he doesn't have a, <laughs> he doesn't have a big arm. He, he does not have a big arm for an NFL starter. He's probably got less than average. And but he is not afraid to make a throw. Um, and he was the guy that just had way more wow factor of all yeah. the rookies from last year than I ever expected. I thought he had more just like, holy cow, plays in the last five or six weeks of the season than any of the rookies or even like the, the class of 18 type of guys. Now he made a ton of mistakes too. And he was under a lot of pressure. 
Um, I, I think it, he had the second highest rate of pressure and Darnold was, was the highest in terms of like, they had the worst offensive lines in terms of pressure. But the thing I was impressed with was like, unlike Carr, like you mentioned, he did create a lot. He made a lot of big plays and you hope it's a little easier to coach the aggressiveness out of him. Another comparison to me could be, you know, a young Jameis Winston or a, or a Ryan Fitzpatrick, but a bigger, stronger, more athletic Fitzpatrick. And those guys kind of never turn down that aggressiveness, you know, for better or worse. You know, Fitzpatrick is, is a fun guy to watch, but he's been up and down. Jameis Winston never really turned it down. But, man, if, if Jones is as smart as everyone, um, you know, you know, seems to be in terms of eventually he's going to pick things up, you would expect that to get better in year two, three, four. And, and I thought, like, okay, maybe he's not going to be a top five guy, but he kind of looked like he, he could be a, a borderline top ten type of guy and, like yeah. – Look, that's what you want. You know, like that's that's yeah. a lot better than everyone I think expected when he was coming out. Let me ask yeah. you about somebody else. Um because this is somebody that second round pick and I got Broncos Twitter after me for months now. I'm not as sold on Drew Locke based on what we saw in the end of the season. I know he did some good things, uh, but the fact that John Elway thinks he found his guy uh, moving forward seems a little bit presumptuous to me. What have you seen from Drew Locke? And so it's going off what Greg just said about Jones being so smart and everything. They ran a real offense with him last year. And I'm, I'm going to dovetail this with my lock. What I'm going to talk about Locke is they ran an actual offense. He was making checks, kills. He's doing protection stuff. It looked like a guy in year two as opposed to year one. It, it did mentally. Hmm. Now we talk about Locke. Locke seemed like day one rookie install, uh, especially the Chargers game, his first start, which I totally get. It's his first start. Okay, I get it. I, I could see the coaches just going, hey, let's take the load off of him. Let's make it easy on him. Let's just get, get his feet wet a little bit. You would just hope, you know, I, I get it. He was hurt. He missed, you know, the first half of the year and probably didn't get a lot of reps. But you, you would hope a guy with so many starts in college would maybe have a little more uh, – uh, aptitude for a playbook at that point. Um, but that that's what it was. And that's what I have to figure out with Locke. So my answer is TBD. Um, but he was always looking at his wristband. Like there was a lot is. of like, well, you would be too, Greg. I mean, no, like, I know. Throwing you out there and like, you know, late <laughs> but he, November. But he made, yeah. Don't you think even though like there was yeah. kind of basic and he was, all, there was a lot of confusion. He, he did make plays. He did. And, and that's the thing with him is he's, he has that, willingness to make a play which again is i'm never that is a huge trait it really is guys that and being tough as a quarterback are huge traits willingness to take a risk it really is you, you don't want the guy to throw five picks because okay that might be great but that also must mean he might be not throwing it 10 times down the field like when you want him to but with with lock it, it's one of those things yeah you, like you said you're looking at his wrist a lot the plays that he you can tell he's run before the spacings the curl flat uh hank also known as Good. He's actually progressing. He's going one to two. Good, good. Every week in the NFL, your game plan is going to be very opponent-based. You know, it's going to change every week. There's going to be certain adjustments you have to make every week. Those are the plays he struggled with. I think for those plays, he was like, okay, I'm sorry, I'm fixing my hair. <laughs> I hate looking at myself. Um, so it's one of those things where uh, <laughs> I just took that shower, Greg. And it's, <laughs> um, it's one he of those. Like, he's those, like, do I need to like get get showered for this? It's on yeah, video. Well, like, trust no, me, you I don't. don't. You I don't. was like, it okay. doesn't matter. It no, we're really a marriage shirt. 
I, no, I wore no, a Mariners yeah. shirt tonight for the <laughs> shot, but that was useless. Um, yeah, I know. I was like trying to give a shout out, like, yeah, whatever. But uh, but you know, with with Locke, with Locke with some of that stuff, it was it was just like if it was a new play, you can tell it was a new play because he's mm. looking where not where he's supposed to be looking. He is like totally wrong side of the field. Like, and it's like stuff like I'm not saying like I know everything what's going on. I'm not in those meeting rooms, but you can tell. And it's one of those things that's what we have to figure out as the chicken or the egg. Is it the coaching staff making it easy on them or is it him being a slow learner? And I know nothing about Drew Locke, so I do not want to say he's dumb or anything. Uh, but he does do those. He does have some wow moments, but it is one of those things I, I have to. He's TBD. I mean, we just don't have enough on him at this point. And I hate copping out like that. Great first appearance, Nate. <laughs> Killed it. <laughs> Finally, uh, Nate, what um, what would your thoughts be on uh, Dwayne Haskins? Where do you stand on him? By the end of this season, assuming there is a season, uh, do you believe the Washington Football Club will feel like they have their entrenched franchise guy, or will the new Rivera in Washington include finding a new quarterback? Uh, you know, I – I'm not as high on him as maybe as Locke a little bit. Uh, Haskins mm. isn't a great athlete. Uh, and, you know, he has some footwork stuff that really throws me off. He makes it work. Like, he'll just – it looks like his feet go dead right before he's about to throw it. Like, all of a sudden, it's just like he just stops moving his feet and throws it like this. And it's like, oh, okay, that came out of nowhere. Uh, he needs – again, I, I'm just – I mean, honestly, we can cut and paste, copy and paste. My Wait, is that good or bad? Is that good I don't or know. bad? I don't know. It, it, it leads to inconsistency. <laughs> so some guys make it okay. work. Like Mahomes, Mahomes doesn't have great feet. He has unbelievable flexibility and can create torque from angles. But you can't coach that. You know, it's not – I'm not going to go, hey, watch Mahomes. Okay, now you do that to some high schooler. You know, but I wouldn't show Haskins because I would be like, no, I don't want you to do that either because his feet just kind of go dead. And he's like, eh. And the ball goes out. It works, but whatever. Uh, but again, I, I copy and paste some of the lock talk is that he needs more reps. He's a, he came out as a sophomore. He doesn't have a lot of starts. That offense from Ohio State is extremely QB friendly, passing game wise. That's why the the receivers get to put a lot on them in that offense, in those Urban Meyer offenses. Mm-hmm. They have a lot of adjustments, a lot of reads. The interception you saw Justin Fields throw in the playoffs, it's because he was waiting to see what adjustment the receiver made. And then the adjustment, that receiver second-guessed himself and bailed out of it. And then that's why that interception mm-hmm. happened in that playoff game. So that's why you see some of those Ohio State receivers take a big leap in the NFL um, because it's kind of easy when now I don't have to adjust. I can just, oh, I just run a 14-year curl up. Cool. I don't have to, like, read cover two and read this. Oh, that's easy. You know, and I think that the quarterback, on the flip side of that, is the quarterback doesn't has a lot that they don't have to worry about. It's just, hey, we have a really good player. Let him get open. You know, that's I'm, I'm totally like just put it in a box. There's more to it. But that's why he doesn't have a lot of real, quote unquote, reps. And so he had the starts last year in a term, turmoil situation. So this year is basically going to be his rookie year all over again. And I, I think I, I'm high on Scott Turner. I think he is going to do a nice job. Um, and they have an X receiver in Scary Terry. So, it, you know, I think he's going to have some pieces, but he needs he needs some stuff. Uh, well, and you know, he's he learning needs, a new offense. Correct. I think that's totally been under an undersold thing with Locke too, and with Daniel Jones. Thinking about yeah. this rookie class is like 
Is Pat Shermer really going to come in there and like give him a give Drew Locke a schematic advantage? Probably not. So that's a that's a guy at best you're hoping. Wow. Well, I'm just saying that I, I think that's fair on Pat. I mean, you're just hoping that he's. I think Pat Shermer at this point, you're hoping it, he's a he's a solid coach, but he's yeah. not going to be like, hey, this is the guy that suddenly just turns you great. He's just going to be. You're hoping it's middle of the road, but you're it's a new coach. Um, Jones has Jason Garrett. Um, Scott Turner, you know, with Washington, the the one thing like Haskins didn't show as much early. And so then you worry about the numbers like Locke did some things where it's like he avoided sacks really well. He avoided yeah. negative plays. He made some plays, whereas Haskins like you didn't see. I know it's a little all over the place, but when you talked about um, Haskins coming from that offense, it actually makes me think of Kyler Murray a little bit. And I know PFF got like a little grief that they ranked. Kyler Murray 29th going into this season and they didn't really have him very high last year in terms of how he played despite the numbers they actually had him significantly lower than like Daniel Jones and was kind of in the in the area of Locke he's a tough guy to evaluate sometimes too because like the 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 skill sets there it's obvious he's so athletic and his arm is so good but when you watch that offense last year you know there's a like that's like watching a college offense in some way that like most of the time it was just get rid of the ball, a five yard throw in the first few seconds. And that was it. And you could go, you could go a few games where Kyler Murray wasn't really doing a lot more than that, which is why I think PFF probably graded him low, which it it feels unfair, but like, like it, do you think there is any warrant to like some concern about that when it comes to Kyler Murray? Uh not re- I mean, Kyler makes everyone better. That is not, that was not a talented roster last year. <laughs> and he made him look, he was, he made him competitive every single game. And the thing with Kyler is not only is he an unbelievable athlete and throws one of the prettiest deep balls in the league already and could make all three level throws is that he knows what he is. Um, he's the best slider in the league right now. He knows how to get down quick. I know that's such a random trait to have, but he is. I mean, the baseball background comes into play. He say, he knows how to not take a hit, which is a mm-hmm. huge skill too for his body type. He can, that's very, a huge thing for him. When, with that offense though, it really impressed me with Cliff because I'm not going to, uh, I'm not going to lie. I'm with a lot of, I'm younger, but I still have some of that older NFL mindset. Like I'll, I'll believe it when I see it kind of thing. You, you get a guru every year. So I've seen so many gurus, quote unquote, burn out after 18 months. And then you never hear from him again. I mean, you guys know that too. Uh, and with Cliff, what really impressed me was he's not just an air raid coach. He's a, a very creative coach. He is willing to adapt, which was, I thought, give him a lot more cred credibility than I was going into the year. I thought no matter what, he was going to stick with 10 and 11 personnel and just try and just beat his head against the wall by passing the ball six, seven yards, like you were just saying. But he, they played New Orleans. They got blitzed out on every third down because they had to throw hop. The mm. New Orleans defense figured out their whole third down package. They couldn't every, – every single throw, they had to throw hot. It was third and ten. They were getting five yards done. They're off the field. Saints just ran them out of the building. And they – but what happened after that, they adjusted. And I think with Cliff, what I was really – going back – I mean, I know we're talking about Kyler, but Cliff is – very, he's creative enough to know what he has. They went from a 10 personnel team to a 12 and 13 personnel team. They were in wing sets with two tight ends at the end of the year. Like the last six weeks, that's all they were running. Not all they were running, but that was a big chunk of what they were running. He was like, this is what's working. This is what we are. They became a really good run team. And it's just, that impressed me a lot with Cliff. And then that's going to 
maybe Kyler is with the perfect guy. Like Lamar's with Greg Roman, perfect. We're good. Breeze is with Sean Payton. We're good. Like just that perfect match of coach scheme and player. And I think Kyler's in that perfect situation. He's just a one of one guy. You need a coach that knows how to work with him. You, you mm-hmm. just, it's just like Mahomes. It's not teaching tape. Like he just does his own thing and then you just hopefully control it. That's good organized chaos. Nate Tice, you've said it all. <laughs> so much. Derek Carr, you know, is Nate going to get a call or a text from Derek? Maybe. It's possible at this point. <laughs> Probably not. But the, oh, the second year, guys, I feel like we're, we're more enlightened because of Nate. And check him out again on Twitter, at Nate underscore Tice, where he's chopping up the film and with a lot of good insight, as you uh, as you can hear. And we'd love to have you on again sometime, Nate. Thank you for joining us. Thank you guys for having me. That was Thank awesome. you. There he goes. We'll get shower that Tiffany song for you next time. You know, the shower was <laughs> worth it, really. I mean, he had to take it anyway. At some point, he yeah, had to take it. You should. I mean, <laughs> I have done a few of these shows without taking a shower. Have you not? From from the beginning of Corona until now, I don't mean like waltzing into the studio in years past, but been unshowered once or twice. That's I don't think it's thing to do. As long as like, have you done it after one of your nude workouts in the backyard? Like, do you go straight from a beach body workout to the the show or is there a shower in between those? That has not occurred, nor that that's not really like a strategy that I'm like hoping to <laughs> to bring to the to the show either. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> um, all right. That was good. So I, we, you know, ran a little short on time there. We'd lo- love to get some Minshew commentary. I had a Minshew but- question, but, um, you know, I, I it, I'll, I'll save it for the second time that we uh, meet him. The Minshew does get kind of forgotten in this uh, this rookie. Not talks. by me. Since he had like better numbers than <laughs> basically everyone, <laughs> he he exceeded almost what every other rookie from that class did. I'm with you. I'm sticking with it. Well, it's dismissed. An unforgettable it's just season. Totally dismissed. For the it's like 2019 oh, you know. Jaguars. It's not what a year it was. In we know we know he was good. We haven't had a lot of D Jones stock. He he deserved it. You know. <laughs> Poor Danny. Uh, before we go, you know, at the top of Monday's show, um, Greg, you had, I was happy you did too. You had pointed out that Canada represents a pretty solid level of listenership. Number for three. Us. And I, number three. UK is a strong three. two. To be fair, it's a pretty big gap, but Canada's a strong three. Right. And that is, and then I, you know, I got. You know, again, these colors don't run. I got a little excited, started talking about the old US of, US of A, and I, you know, left me with a bad taste in my mouth because I love Canada too. So I just wanted to, uh, at the end of the show, uh, share my the top ten things that I love about Canada. Okay, if that's okay with you guys, please. Number ten, the national anthem. It's a nice, nice little bop, as the kids. Solid say. one. I mean, if that's yeah. ten, you know, this uh, is going to be a good list. Number nine. Everything about the Sky Dome, the the fact that it was the first retractable roof, the fact that there's a hotel in center field where people can do it during a game, Joe Carter, WrestleMania six, Hogan vs. Warrior, and the 89 opening festivities on YouTube. Check it out. Number eight, that one Tragically Hip CD I own. Nice. What what was that, Mark? I don't know. We're only at number eight. I mean, like, let's... <laughs> That was a lot seven number. That was a beefy number nine. Shut up. Seven interesting political leaders. Rob Ford. You know, that guy was nuts. The hunk prime minister that looks like handsome Hank. Nice. Six. Drake. Drake's good. I like Drake. Five. The kids in the hall. Four. 
John Candy, rest in peace. Buried right here in Culver City. Three, Bill Hartman, also gone too soon. The greatest SNL cast member ever. Number two, Vancouver. I've never been there, but everyone says it's really clean. It's a great city. Okay. And the number one, the number one thing that I love about Canada. That one part of the Bare Naked Lady song, one week, where they go, It's been a... <laughs> That's number one. One of their best bands. I mean, you could argue... It's been a... You could argue, like... Chickadee China, the Chinese chicken is even more iconic than than. Not even close to me. Maybe to you, and I respect that if that's your call. But to me, it's better than anything. I I literally almost went on a bare naked ladies cruise um, (laughs) many years back. I literally that that was my favorite band for a while. And let me say, the the two of you, the two of you, this whole campaign, I get it. Pick a country, and then all these. Where's your Estonia countdown? Well, no, I'm not letting you onto Estonia corner. I am going to present my top ten Estonian elements on the on Friday's show. I had no strategy. Okay, just, I was just surprised. Uh, nonsense. I nonsense. Was surprised. I do like, love Canada. Let's get an entire brother, Canada on my side and my brother get a bunch to, of tweets. My brother went to McGill. I made a number of trips. Great place to, to visit. Especially yes, when you're in high school and your brother's in college. Forget about it. Uh, Montreal is nice. just uh, an amazing place. Rufus Wainwright. I, love, you know, Laurent Duvernay Tardif. I mean, um, you know. The, Michael J. Fox. <laughs> Canadian, like the 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 French Can- the Jews, Mark, stick the to French Estonia. Canadian Jews are a special are a special breed who that I've just I'm a big I mean, fan of. The, Dan, the how on, there. Uh, how many times has as Greg mentioned Canada in the ten years that we've known him? Before uh, this, this week, is the first time this week. This okay. I've actually so mentioned feels, McGill on, feels the, a little, on the podcast as as a yes, listener. You mentioned McGill. Me well, you mentioned McGill. Way too often. You mentioned McGill, but beyond the, you know, no, you know, I would just say Why? something feels. <laughs> Something's in the air, and I sense it, and I trust my intuitions when these things bubble up like this. No. These how personal come it can't campaigns. just be a nice thing? How come I, I, this there can't was just no be a nice thing? Because no I, don't trust, I don't trust just nice things coming from anyone on this show. Not Just nice things do not... That's not how this works. I don't come up with a, a strategy. Erica, can you jump in a second? Before the show of like what we're Erica knows about. exactly what I'm talking about. This is a mess. Do you know... Do you know what? <laughs> I think you look great. What Thanks. is Mark talking about? That came from a genuine place. It really did. Yeah, I mean, I feel like a third yeah, party. Man. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I I love Canada. Canada, like first of all, like it happens three days after I become a Toronto Blue Jays fan. Okay, like uh, uh, outshining that. Oh, that's actually legit. Like, there are things that I there really like is. about Canada, but I don't need to like waltz around telling ten thousand people about it. I, it's in my heart, and so my love for what? Canada. I don't need to, uh, you know. There's a good it. quote. It's like you often betray yourself about what you notice in others. So you noticing that, like, we're that you think we're like scheming to make a move before the show. It's absolutely it's troubling. It's a little no. Troubling. It's 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 actually deadly accurate. Whoa. Anyway, I like Canada, and I'm glad that I got that <laughs> list out there. And I'm looking forward to the Estonia list uh, from Mark. Oh, which it's going sure to be coming from be, a sincere place. It is sincere. The only reason was because we're changing. They're uh, they're getting rid of our um, our our publishing platform. So I was getting some of those numbers before uh, it's all gone. Because I'm always thinking we might need these numbers someday. I'm going to go download all these numbers, and then I saw. I saw that Canada, and I was like, eh, about Canada. Pretty good you, job. Greg, you fascinate me. Like, the things that you care about and don't care about, 
I would have guessed you would have been the last person that was like, I need to get to our metrics platform to download all the data before it gets wiped. I would have never thought that you would be about hey, here's, that life. Here's why, because we get millions of, of downloads every uh, every month, and uh, people need to know. And who knows, we might be in a spot where we're going to need that data because the NFL is like, oh, see you guys later. Uh, so <laughs> Have that in our back pocket. You know, I mean, how about our PR department get on board here and you know publicize some of this stuff? I see other. Hey, this podcast got twenty thousand listeners last month. Like, um, excuse me, I've got a story you could tell if you wanted to. <laughs> Do we have a PR or is that like a me thing? We have a well, thick we work and heavy and I mean, NFL PR media stuff. has a PR. You know, yes. Andrew Howard does a great job setting yes, up does. our radio interviews sometimes and, and helping us out. We, he got Baldy for us. He got some of our guests. You know, Andrew Howard's a great man and a, and a good uh, Philadelphia sports fan. Uh, I I think we work for a small boutique here, and you can't expect there to be a PR arm that that supports <laughs> us. You can't you just can't expect that publicity. Too much to ask. Fair. All right. All right. Well, oh, that was good. Um, we'll be back on Friday with another show. And uh, <laughs> and uh, sincerely, Mark, I am looking forward to your Estonia countdown. I didn't realize the Blue Jays anger, like, thing is why. Well, the Blue Jays thing is, yeah. is not okay, the heart and soul of this. I, I, we don't need to dig back into it. I have learned at age 46 to trust my intuition. Um, which rarely fails me. And so I could be wrong, but I'm not going to convince myself I'm wrong. I'm sticking to this. Well, the good um, thing about intuition also, is you never it, find out wrong because it's, you know, that's up to you. Each show is its own planet. We're leaving <laughs> this planet. None of these hard feelings will exist on Friday. We'll see you then. Now there's hard feelings. You seem offended by well, my intuition, which is like precise and dead on. So we I don't know what show. to do about that. Get out of here. Man, the end of these shows are going wild lately. All right, signing off for the whole game. Your time. Love you guys. Till Friday. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish spring body wash and bar soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. 
I'm late. I'm late. Very, very important date. Time is running out to score adult theme park tickets at child prices from Undercover Tourist. This summer, make your Walt Disney World vacation more affordable than ever. Escape into a place where magic has the power to transport you into stunning worlds and your favorite stories for less. Buy from Undercover Tourist, an authorized seller, and link to official Walt Disney World apps so you can add on Genie Plus and Lightning Lane upgrades easy. Book your adult theme park tickets at child prices with Undercover Tourist now and save. UndercoverTourist.com. Welcome to AutoZone. What are you working on today? My check engine light's on. Mm, That could hurt your gas mileage. The AutoZone free fix finder service can help find the fix for free. This whole report for free? That's right. Printed and on your phone for free. But what if the fix is too tough? We'll recommend a local shop. Fix finder only at AutoZone. Get in zone, auto zone. Restrictions apply.